1: Welcome to Warriors Off-Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, host of the popular Locked On Warriors podcast. During our conversation, we went through the Chronicles NBA draft matchmaker to figure out who the Warriors should target at number seven. Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Um, It's been a minute. It's been a minute. And, you know, I know I've been... Doing some other topics writing on on some other things but uh we're we are staring down the barrel of the nba draft and we're nine days away and i think it's time to really get our hands dirty and and really start wading through the serious legitimate possibilities and um to, to help readers and listeners with that i created a draft matchmaker that went online yesterday which is a an interactive 10 question survey asking you what you're looking for in a potential number seven pick for the warriors. And it's supposed to help you figure out what you want the warriors to do at number seven. And so I basically want to go through that with you right now in detail, break down all the possibilities and and what we feel about um, what we're looking for. But my first question for you is we did this last year. We did, the, yeah. we did the matchmaker. A lot of the questions are very similar, but it was such a different ball game last year. How would you compare the situation the Warriors were in a year ago going into that number two pick with where they are now going into the number seven and number 14 selections?
0: Yeah, there's a lot more unknowns this time around for the Warriors because about this time last year, a couple weeks before the draft, really about a month before the draft, Last year, they had basically settled on James Wiseman. If he was there, they were going to go ahead and take him there at number two, right? And so um, that's not the case this year, right? You talk to people around the league and that organization, and they really they, they have a sense of – they've narrowed it down to a few players that, that they like, obviously, and they're still conducting these workouts. Uh, but it's so much harder for the Warriors to decide what it is that they want to do at 7 and 14 because they don't know who's going to be there – they don't know how the board is going to shake out. They don't know what uh, trades could happen around them, in front of them, what trades could be presented to them You know, the day before and the day of the draft when those, th- those things uh, tend to materialize. Um, it's just sort of much more up in the air. And what I think is so interesting about that and about this draft in particular is that this draft is really deep, and there's a bunch of guys that outside of that top five or six – that you could really talk yourself into, right? Like, and there's and at and the same time, you could easily talk yourself out of those players too. There's a bunch of weird dudes in this draft, a lot of interesting guys with interesting skill sets, a lot of interesting backgrounds and stories for a lot of these guys, interesting personalities. Like this has been, at least for me, as an, when I'm going through the evaluation process, a lot of fun, right? This draft is just a lot of fun to sort of talk about and, and evaluate. So um, it's sort of messy. Like I said, everything's up in the air. There are no certainties and there won't be until the Warriors are on the clock at number seven.
1: It's interesting because we talk so much about how deep of a draft this is and how this is one of the better drafts in recent memory. And I think that's true, but I'm personally having a hard time identifying like my favorite guy who could be available on number seven for the Warriors. You know, last year you and I had our guys. I know you were a big Tyrese Halliburton guy. I love Tyrese Halliburton too. I also like Denny Avia. We, it looks now like you were, (laughs) it made more sense to be higher on Halliburton (laughs) than Avia, but,
0: um, I don't have that guy this year. Do you have that guy? You know, I keep, I, I hate to keep going to the trough, but I really like Davian Mitchell and I understand all the things against Davian Mitchell. Right. Um, And I'm talking about guys that could be available at seven. My favorite prospect in this draft, by the way, is Jalen Suggs and Simon Close. I'm not saying he's the best. I'm just saying he's my personal favorite. Right. But of guys who could be there at seven... I love guys in the top five, by the way. Yeah, you and every other front office in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But um, as far as the guys that are projected to be there at seven, David Mitchell is really interesting. Kevin O'Connor said this for the ringer. He said, it's really easy to... Uh, you could start talking yourself out of David Mitchell really quickly. And I thought that was really well said because he didn't measure in at the combine the way that people wanted six, one, six foot four wingspan. Uh, His athleticism doesn't blow you away. He doesn't really play above the rim. He's older at 22. He's going to be 23 years old by the time the season starts. You look back on the history of the draft. It's really hard to find guys who are that old and who blossom and become better in the NBA, right? Like usually those are swings and misses. Uh, When you take those kinds of players at that age in the lottery, small guard advanced age, all the, you know, not great, like not great size on any respect, not blow you away. Athleticism and all, and not a great shooter, by the way. Right. Like he shot 45% as a junior at Baylor, but it was closer to 36, 37% through his, you know, three-year career. Um, All those things say, don't take this guy at seven. Right. Like that, that sounds more of like a late first round pick of anything. Right. And yet you watch him play. Right. You, you get rid of all the metrics and all that stuff and, and the numbers. And you just watch him play. And what that guy does on defense is just so ridiculous for a player still his age, his young, doing it in college. There is no doubt in my mind that he could do that at the NBA level, that you're basically looking at cheaper, younger Marcus Smart, ready-made, yeah. out of the box. Here you go. And if he, if he never becomes anything better than that, so be it. But you, I love his attitude, his demeanor, his competitive drive. His leadership skills that he showed at Baylor. That guy performed the biggest on the biggest stage, right? He had one of his most complete games in the national championship game in a blowout over Gonzaga that he was a huge part of. Um like I said, you just you 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 can easily start talking yourself out of Davian Mitchell and you can, and, and especially when you start talking about the notes that we go through during the draft process. But I I implore people, just go watch that national championship game again. Go watch some of those, those great games that he had against Villanova and things like that. Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma, and and just tell me that that guy can't be an elite defender at the NBA level day one. Like it, it he's he's a really high basketball queue, really competitive, and like I said, if you're the Warriors, you're looking for a guy who can contribute immediately. He might not have the highest upside, but I know he could be a role player for you on every on every night basis, and that's what the Warriors are looking for at seven. So I, I just that's you know my guy. Who he reminds
1: me of he reminds me of Sadiq Bay a little bit in, in, in terms of what he's like as a prospect, like everyone was super high on Sadiq Bay going into last year's draft, even though everyone knew he was probably going to be a late lottery guy because everyone knew he was going to be a great player. And that draft had so much uncertainty. Um, and he ended up having a really nice rookie season for Detroit. He was arguably like Detroit's second best player, which says more about Detroit than anything else. But I think of Mitchell in the same sense just because we already know like there's no way in my mind that Mitchell is a total bust like I think he's going to be a really helpful rotation player the question is are you okay taking someone at seven who has almost no chance of being like an all-star caliber guy
0: if I'm the Warriors yes because I already have my all-star caliber guys right you've got Steph you've got Draymond look If the goal, this is what I keep coming back to. If the goal is to try to win a championship in the next couple of years, Davion Mitchell makes the most sense out of anybody else that could be there at seven, even if a guy like John the Kaminga ends up falling to you, right? Like he makes the most at seven. I'm not not vouching that they should take him over uh, Kaminga. I'm just saying. But if the goal is to get a future all-star, then yeah, don't take Davion Mitchell. Like I, that's what I understand that. But I think the goal is to try to win a championship. In the next couple of years and if that is the goal and the warriors are committed to that goal then david mitchell makes the most sense I, I i i i compared him to marcus smart and i think the comparison's a good one and i find it interesting by the way that every warriors fan and their mother had been has been asking about trading these picks and last year's number two pick for marcus smart how many questions have you gotten connor and your mentions over the last two years can we trade for marcus smart Marcus? like the Celtics and I've always said this are never trading Marcus Smart to the Warriors. That doesn't make any sense if you're Boston, right? Because they want to be in the title, you know, chase this year. They're not going to get off of a good player for a rookie. But if you want Marcus Smart that bad, you have him available. Basically, Davion Mitchell—he's younger, cheaper. Marcus Smart—he's very, very—he everything you like about Marcus Smart, Davion Mitchell could bring you the same things. Um, I go back to Marcus Smart's draft. This is a guy who's talked about as at one point as the potential number one pick in that draft. Uh, or the draft before that really Uh, reclassify or didn't reclassify, but ended up going back to Oklahoma state entered that next draft that, that Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid, Jabari Parker draft. And he falls all the way to six because he's an upperclassman. And he ends up going one pick after Dante Exum. Exum was taken because he had bigger, uh, better size and he had a quote unquote higher ceiling, even though people did have questions about his floor. Marcus Mark goes there at six and he was obviously the better player now than Dante Exum. So it's not all about just betting on upside. I think that there is value in just taking the known quantity and the guy who you know what he is already and what role he could play for you right away. Because like the Warriors just don't have time, right? We saw this, the James Wiseman thing, like how many more 19 and 20 year olds can you really put in the, on that team and expect something out of, right? I think Marcus Smart would be more of like, or I'm sorry, not Marcus Smart. Davian Mitchell would be closer to a free agent acquisition than a draft pick.
1: Yeah, no, I I think you hit good points. And look, we're probably going to get a lot more into this during this upcoming conversation because we are doing the Warriors draft matchmaker. It's a 10 question quiz that is going to hopefully help us figure out who we actually want. Because as we just talked about, we don't even know we're, supposed to be experts on the topic and we don't even necessarily know who we love it sounds like you like mitchell maybe a lot of guys i like though myself i don't know who i love so this is really going to be helping myself
0: okay question one well i i will say this is good this is a good exercise for me too because there are guys that i would possibly consider over mitchell i just that's my, you asked me a, a point blank question who's my guy and i tried to give you a point blank answer but uh, yeah. you,
1: I did not only did I do the writing for this, but I actually did how, you know, the, the scoring of it all goes. And it, I, I do feel like we have a nice little algorithm that is helpful with figuring this stuff out. So algorithm. Um, are you targeting someone who can contribute immediately?
0: Yeah, no question. Right. Like I said, if you're the Warriors, the goal is to win a championship. You need a guy who could be part of your top 10 at least, you know, every single night. So the answer is yes, without a doubt
1: hundred percent easy question. Yes. For obvious reasons. Um, And I think that not only are they looking for someone who can contribute immediately, because that's kind of a vague question that can mean a lot of things. Like, is it just getting on the floor? Is it being a 20 minute per night guy? I think they need a guy at seven who's a 20 minute plus per night guy, you know, potential Mm -hmm. top eight, top nine rotation guy as a rookie, which is a big ask which is a big ask for any rookie, especially one that's not going in the top 5.
0: Yeah, and and you 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 know, that that's hard for any rookie to do. Like even a guy like Davion Mitchell or or you know, an upperclassman like that, 20 minutes a night in the NBA level to helpful, you know, 20 helpful minutes, that's really tough. If that's what the Warriors are looking for, good luck. Um hopefully they could draft a guy at 7 that does that for them, but um I I do tend to agree with you like they're hoping by maybe not right away, obviously, but by the playoffs, they can, that guy can sort of develop into that sort of player.
1: Do you want to take someone who has a chance to become a face of the franchise, even if you might struggle early?
0: That's a really good question. Um, To me, it's that second part of the question. I wouldn't take a guy who has only the potential to be the face of the franchise, understanding that he's going to struggle early. Like to me, I think there are some guys in this draft and and I guess we're going to talk about them who have the potential to be the face of the franchise, but also have a couple of skills here and there that can help them contribute right away. Right. And so I wouldn't go, I'm trying to think of a super raw play, like a, a Jonathan Kaminga, for example, like that's a tough one, right? Because you, know, you understand that. Good example. Or even Kai Jones. Yeah. Kai Jones. All right. Let's use Kai Jones, for example. Um, he's going to struggle. Like that guy's like two years away, but yeah. he has all the potential in the world. Right. Athletic, you know, Yeah, he's ridiculous athletic freak, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't go in that direction. I, I would at least yeah, get Mo, a guy who, you I know, has like a
1: guy like that though is more often Mo Bamba than he I, is, you know, like Mo Bamba is a good example of that type of guy who was a lottery pick because everyone was projecting, but I looked at him and I thought you didn't do anything in college. You're not particularly skilled. Why do we think you're going to be so great? And then you right. weren't great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, these are these workout guys too, right? Because the Mo Bamba thing here, he didn't really do much in college. And then he goes into these workouts and he makes like 105 out of 103s or something. And then everybody's like, oh my God, this guy like just killed it in an individual workout. Well, of course he did. It was an individual workout. He wasn't playing anybody. It was scripted by him and his agent. Now, of course he did well. Like, he's done that workout 100 times in a row. He's, of course he's going to do well. I don't know why some of these front offices still put so much emphasis on these individual workouts. To me, I like what – look, and we know that the Warriors do this and a lot of teams do this, but you run them through one-on-ones, two-on-twos, three-on-threes. Show me how a – five-on-fives. Show me how a player competes in that setting. And then let's sit down and have an interview. That would show me a lot more than – can you make a hundred threes in a row out of, or not in a, if you in a row, that would be very impressive. But if you, can you make a hundred threes, you know, out of the corner,
1: you know, the professor, like the and one street ball guy. Yeah. If you had him in the individual workout, just doing <laughs> cool stuff, <laughs> driveling around, like shoot. you take a number one, super impressive, right? So amazing. But he did not, he got cut from his community college basketball team because he's not actually a good basketball player. So it's a different thing. All right. Do you want to take someone who oh sorry, I already <laughs> asked you that. The answer I'm I think we need to say I think we need to say yes um, because I think that you need to take someone who at least has a chance. Because I do think even though the priority is the priority is to take someone who can help right away, you've got to think a little bit about the future. They don't have a ton of young guys and they might have to pa- to trade one or two of these current young guys they already have so i do think you need someone who at least has potential that extends beyond being a helpful rotation player
0: can we I agree think if that? you're picking at seven you hope that that could be the case right and i think of all the guys that have that we've already talked about and have been talked about as options at seven they all have that kind of potential okay so we'll say yes We'll have more of my conversation with Wes
1: Goldberg right after the break.
0: Is it important to you to draft someone with zero character concerns? Wow, this is a kind of like a personal question, right? Like, this has this kind of says a lot to like the kind of people I surround myself with, right? Uh, zero character concerns. Uh, I don't even know how to define those things. I'm a little confused. Well, these, by some questions. of these
1: questions are purposely vague because I, I kind of want them to be open to interpretation, right? Um, look, there, there's a wide range of of character concerns i mean if we're talking about a guy like um a guy was late to practice a couple times i'm not that worried about that if a guy if I, if we're talking about someone robbed a liquor store you know and held Somebody up in the strap liquor store gun, at gunpoint or something like that then that's a problem then i have an issue with that for sure a hundred percent I don't know Um, that any
0: of the players in the lottery did that. I don't know that they didn't do that. No,
1: I mean honestly, the so the pool of potential players that we could be end up selecting in this quiz, there's only there's eleven or twelve, and I think only one of them had any sort of character concerns. Like most guys are good guys. And is that Jalen Johnson? Because that's
0: the guy, Jalen
1: Johnson. And I'm not even sure I would call that character concerns with him. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was kind that. of just a weird situation that raises questions. You know, his early departure from from Duke when no one leaves Duke early.
0: So let me ask you another question about this algorithm. Is this for only the seventh pick or for, like, the seventh and the 14th pick?
1: So this is for only the seventh pick. Um, but one of the questions I'm going to ask you later has to do with trading
0: back in the draft. Or, okay, or- so – so for the purpose so understanding really what the question askers are asking here i will say that i would eliminate jalen johnson at the seventh pick so whatever answer you need for your test would be okay so we're gonna
1: say yes it is important to us yes okay are you valuing talent over positional need yeah same uh And I think we need to value talent over positional need because the warriors, the way they operate, they're all about versatility. They're Mm -hmm. all about length. Um, And I think, you know, you can take someone who maybe is technically a point guard, but if you can also play the two and three, you know, that's just a wing, you know? And so um, if you can take a talented wing over someone who's maybe just a five, I'd rather have the talented wing at least given where the Warriors are right now. So I'm going to take talent over positional need.
0: Yeah. Another word for talent could be skill set, right?
1: Yeah. Would you prefer to trade back in the draft to later in the first round, later in the first round? It's an interesting question because no one's talked about that. We've all, we've always been talking about trading up in the draft. Um, And you know, if, if that doesn't materialize, maybe there is a trade that you know that makes sense for the Warriors that has them trading back later in the first round. You know, they could take the same
0: guy at 14 that they maybe won at seven. Right. Um, so I wouldn't trade back from seven, but I would trade back from 14. So I don't know if that messes up your test. <laughs> but so as I, I
1: say in the preamble to this quiz. Were this quiz is for the seventh pick, so, so of, I would
0: I would stay at seven. I wouldn't get cute. I would just take the guy unless you can. I would either trade up or out, but not down from seven. Yeah, I wouldn't. Get I, I agree there. with you on that. Yeah. Do you want to draft a big man? No, no, no. I would purposely uh, stay away from a big man unless you're moving Wiseman in some other deal. First of all,
1: I don't love the big men in this draft outside of Evan Mobley. I agree on um, that.
0: What? I agree with you on that. I think the Sangun love, I understand how he's good and I might look like. No, I like
1: him actually, but I don't think you should think of him at seven.
0: Yeah, it's a little over. I don't even know if you should be thinking about him at 14. Honestly, I think he's a little overrated. Now, granted, I haven't seen a single uh, second of his game tape. So maybe he's a fascinating. He's a
1: fascinating question because he's just so prolific at a relatively high level overseas at such a young age. that it's hard to not think that's going to translate. But at the same time, He's not athletic at all. He has a lot of the trademark signs of guys whose game just does not translate. But mm-hmm. so it's, it's a risky one for sure. But definitely not in the discussion, in my opinion, at uh, at seven. So, um, so I'm going to say no. Do not want a big man in this draft. Are you looking for a defensive minded wing to help fill the lingering void left by Andre Iguodala?
0: Lingering void left by Andre Vidal. I love the phrasing of that. Um <laughs> it just it does really feel like there is a lingering void, not necessarily on the court, but by like basket, like by like Warriors fans, like that mention the next Andre Iguodala incessantly. Yeah, there's definitely a lingering void, at least among the fan base. Um, yeah, I, I think defense should be very important, absolutely, to what there it is that they're looking for because right. that's part of their identity too, right? Like They need to get better offensively, but I don't know how much defense they're willing to sacrifice in order to do that.
1: And also on top of that, just the versatility aspect of, of Andre. Um, I do think that Juan Descano Anderson helped fill that void to an extent. I'm not saying he's Andre Godala, but he helped. Um, And I think they could use another guy kind of in a similar mold. So um, yes, we'll say
0: yes to that. Is
1: shooting a priority for you? (laughs)
0: <laughs> so yeah this is like one of those uh, weed them out questions right so if i say yes then it eliminates like a bunch of guys right away um it's actually not really Without i'm it. actually surprised to hear you say that uh, look i know bob Myers said that they're looking for shooting but i think that there's a way to address shooting in other parts of the offseason right through free agency, through the mid-level exception, maybe trades, maybe at the 14th pick. But um, at seven, it is not a priority for me. I would prefer to have all those other things that we talked about. That skill, that versatility, that skill set, being able to play defense across a couple different positions. And then to me, my biggest priority, I don't know if this is a question for you, but uh, is playmaking basketball yeah. feel all of those things that to me is more of a priority than just for me
1: like shooting. scoring is a priority but shooting is different than scoring good point and yep. um i don't necessarily feel the need to craft a quote-unquote shooter um if you look at a lot of the warriors role guys they're competent shooters um mm-hmm. you know even even someone like michael molder is a very good shooter might not even be in the league next season you know right. it might not be on the team next season so you need someone who can get his own bucket when the offense is stalling. You need someone who uh, you know, like you said who can play make, create his own shot. They don't have a lot of those guys. That's why Jordan Poole's emergence later last season was so important. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to say no actually, and I when I had done this on my own before, I had said yes, but you kind of helped me think about it a little bit differently, so we'll say no. Do you want to find Stephen Curry's a parent a point guard
0: <laughs> no i that's such like a i mean i guess maybe one day but like that's such a <laughs> this isn't the time it's such like an impossible task it's like not I even a thing this i would isn't be thinking the time
1: to worry yeah. about that i mean if you take someone like josh giddy who is a point guard yeah you're not taking him necessarily just to be the heir apparent for steph you're taking him because you think he's the most talented player available it's a different right.
0: i can- you can't even be thinking about that right now. Like, that's setting yourself up for failure, right? I mean, right. Chances yeah. are whoever – sorry, whoever you take it here – I know that they took Steph at seven many years ago, but odds are whoever you take here will never be as good as Steph Curry. So, don't even think about that.
1: Would you prefer to draft a 19-year-old over a 22-year-old?
0: <sighs> this one's pretty pointed.
1: All things being No, equal.
0: not necessarily. All things being equal, same player. One's nineteen, one's twenty-two. Well,
1: I guess they can't all be equal because, yeah,
0: I mean, because then yes, yeah, but yeah. no. The no, my I, answer is no. Here's the my thing: no. like, odds are, if it's a nineteen-year-old, he's not going to be as ready to contribute right away. And that's what I'm talking about. Like you're going to have him and James Wiseman, who's twenty, going into next year, right? So, I just, I, I almost think, and this is the the case that I make for Davian Mitchell. Being 22 is almost, it's more a feature than a bug, right? Like, I need a guy who can walk into that locker room and hold his own with an established pecking order already in place. So, I need an adult. I need the closest thing to an adult. And that doesn't necessarily mean age, right? There are guys who at 19 and 20 carry themselves in a certain way who I would take, but it, that it's not a priority to me, no.
1: Okay. So, we'll say, we're saying, uh, we're saying no. Okay, so that was that was it. So guess who we landed, and this is a ninety percent match, which is a really high percentage. Okay, this is David. Jonathan Kaminga, really, is our top guy. He was the he was the guy we got. Jonathan Kaminga, and okay. Jonathan Kaminga was the highest rated guy I included in the pool here. And the only reason I included him was because there are reports that he could potentially fall to seven. And before we get into that, I want to read what I wrote about Kaminga for those who aren't super familiar with him. Um, Why pick Jonathan? Kaminga has long been considered a top five prospect, but multiple league sources told the Chronicle that he could slide on draft night. The Warriors will have to consider him if he's available at number seven. From a a physical standpoint, Kaminga is one of the most gifted prospects in recent memory, not just this draft. If he becomes a more efficient shooter, improves his decision-making, and learns to provide consistent effort, he could become a perennial all-star. Many scouts worry, however, that Kaminga is more of a long-term project than initially believed. His play seemed to regress with G League Ignite at the G League bubble, and front offices question his overall feel for the game.
0: Yeah. Um, I understand that from Kaminga. I actually think he's being... Like, he's sort of the guy who's sliding in drafts. And I was always kind of on, hey, Kaminga's overrated, like, early in the process. And now I'm on, like, the opposite. Like, I feel like Kaminga's being underrated now. Because that dude's ceiling is as high as anybody else in this draft, right? Like, you look at his physical abilities, right? His size, his length, his speed, his first step, his strength. I mean, it all feels like Kawhi Leonard, right? Like, that's his ceiling, this Kawhi. That's an incredible ceiling, right? And that's a really... Valuable kind of player to have in today's game. That it's basically ran by apex predators on the wing. So he's got all of that more than any other player in this draft. Maybe outside, like Scotty Barnes. I don't know. He's more of kind of a like a weird point guard, point center type. Um, but as far as that kind of player that every team is trying to find, Kaminga fits that more than anybody as a project. Uh, the problem is that he is a project, right? Uh, I, I under, I hear the reports that he could fall. We'll see. I'm okay with this, by the way, like Kaminga is not my favorite fit for the warriors, but just from a value play, if he's there at seven and all things are like, like, and, and the, you know, I guess the thunder would go guard or something like that at six. Um, you kind of have to take him because then you can always trade him, right? Like, all these trade packages that we're talking about in regards to Damian Lillard or Ben Simmons, that package all of a sudden looks so much better if Kaminga is a part of it, right? Because that's the knock. If you if the Warriors are competing with a team like Toronto for that same player, Toronto's sitting there with the fourth pick. Hey, they can offer you the, a chance to take Kaminga or Suggs or Barnes, but if you're the Warriors and you're it's after draft night and you've got Kaminga, then you've got a top five type of talent that you took at seven plus... James Wiseman, plus whatever you did with 14, plus Andrew Wiggins, if you want to throw him in a deal like now, that's a pretty interesting package that you could put together. So I think you would have to take Kaminga, but you would probably end up just trading him, right? I
1: mean, but even if you kept him, I, I think that he can provide value for you because he is talented. He's super talented and he's not super polished, but, you know, he came to the game relatively late Um You know, he bounced around high schools. Um, He was in kind of a weird situation with G League night where he didn't get to play a lot of games. And um, from what I heard, he was kind of – his confidence waned once Jalen Green really emerged at the bubble. And, um, you know, I think that the Warriors, given their staff and their their player development, I think they could do a lot with him if he ended up playing for them. And so if he's available at seven – I'm taking him and I'm you not to. worrying too much about it. Honestly,
0: no, You have to, you have to. And like, I, and, and like I said, you can always package them in a deal and the Warriors have basically doubled down on their player development staff. So maybe you just hope that that works out. Is there like a list after that? Like that's a 90% match. Like what are the other matches? Like, how does this work? Uh, like, that's all, two?
1: that's all we see. Okay. That's all we see. But uh, you know, the other possibilities would have been James Knight, Josh Giddey, um, Jalen Johnson, Keon Johnson, Kai Jones, um, Corey Kispert, Davion Mitchell, uh, Moses Moody, Franz Wagner, and um, yeah, you yeah, know, there's a couple of, of that group. Of that group room. of
0: guys we we haven't talked about yet. Who intrigues you the most out of that group?
1: You know, I've been on the. James book night bandwagon but I'm starting to I'm just really intrigued by Giddy Josh yeah, Giddy me too. Me too. he's special and yeah I I think that he's good enough where he could help you next season he kind of has like that x factor that Lamelo ball had I'm not saying he is lamella ball but like he has the potential to be this like really special player and it's just so intriguing to me
0: yeah, no, I, I really like him. I like how I, I just like how instinctual he is, how he recognizes things really quickly. His playmaking skills are off the charts. At six foot eight, he could see and he's the, super, the entire court. He can make I mean, every pass. He doesn't
1: turn 19 until October.
0: Yeah, really, really he, young.
1: He averaged almost eight assists per game in the yep. Australian League at 18 years old. Like, that's super impressive.
0: So, when you asked me if shooting was a priority, that was kind of the guy that I was thinking about. And because I think that you could draft Giddy, and he can be a lead playmaker for you pretty much right away. I think this is a guy who can run your second unit in offense. You bring Jordan Poole, You can play him off the ball a little bit more. Let him be the combo combo guard that he probably is. And then you could play him next to Steph and clay, right? And you're not losing any size because he's six, eight. And he could basically run that offense for you and let Steph run off of pin downs and clay Thompson run off of pin downs and screens like he likes to do. Uh, that to me makes a lot of sense defensively. There's concerns, right? Like can he guard one-on-one that's, that's, that's a concern. He's not the big, he's not the best athlete in this draft by, a, you know, that's, that's putting it lightly, but um, really, really smart, high basketball IQ and guys with that kind of basketball IQ tend to end up being good defenders, right? He'll, he'll at least be able to compete at a team defensive level. And if the Warriors are going to switch and, and keep using that scheme, then I think he works. Right. So um Giddy to me is kind of the guy who when I'm thinking about my two favorite guys at seven, it's Davion Mitchell. And then Giddy is the other guy that I really like and, and who has been connected to the Warriors there at number seven. Right. He is. He is a guy who they you know that, that they're considering there at number seven. They saw him work out.
1: So you guys all heard it here first. The Warriors will be taking Jonathan Kaminga on July 29th. Mark your calendars right now. Go pre-order your Jonathan Kaminga jerseys and all that yep. good stuff. <laughs> Um, Wes, thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. Um, where can our listeners and readers find your stuff?
0: Coming Golden State. That would be his nickname, right? Coming yeah. Golden State. Um, at WC Goldberg on Twitter, follow the podcast, at Locked on Warriors. Read all of my draft coverage over at the San Jose Mercury News. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast. Always enjoy catching up with him.
1: Warriors Off is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com pot.